0: Salutations, thriller and horror devotees. I am Melisset, your ardent hostess. On this podcast, I'll be reading stories and each episode will be a chapter from a classic or a contemporary work. Sometimes I'll have special previews, science fiction, horror thrillers. Uh yeah, those are my specialties. When one book is complete, we will move on to another. It will be a pleasure if you accompany me through tales from the timeless past or maybe the dystopian future. Either way, let the ceremony commence. I thought I just had a cold COVID-19. No, we can't dance together. No, we can't touch at all. Stay six feet away when you slide on in. Welcome to the great quarantine of 2020. In our last episode we mentioned the coronavirus and it unfortunately did cancel the festival we were speaking about called Comics in Color. But not to worry, keep checking the social medias and they will be back. And we're still waiting to hear about a bunch of things, but Where I'm living in the northeastern part of the United States, school is currently closed for the next couple weeks, and we have been urged to work remotely, which is going to be really fun for parents. Yeah, but you know what? Mommy's here for you, and I got your back, boo. I am going to be turning out extra episodes to help keep everybody entertained and KitKat's ready, she's awake, she's giving me the stink eye right now, but if the production quality is not entirely what you're used to, keep in mind that I cannot really go to the store and get new supplies. Uh, Amazon is currently not taking orders, if you can believe it. Um, They're doing digital orders and stuff like that, but they're not shipping anything to your house in it is a weird time to be alive but we are living in history and if you think of all the things that we've experienced in our lifetimes it's 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 impressive we are still here we made it and we have each other and this is what it's all about we are community and you know what i'm so happy to have i'm so happy to have all of you in my life even if you're just virtually out there and you're listening you know what Keep at it, you're doing a great job. So today we are going to be examining chapter six. And we know from chapter five that the beast was born and that Victor took a terrible illness and he was nursed to help by Clerval, his friend from Geneva who was coming to Ingolstadt to study. So we are going to find out what happens next in our Franken story. Stay tuned, y'all. My daddy's podcast is called Hyphenation. It's the world's greatest podcast. Rockablama Proof. On hyphenation. My daddy talks about all kinds of cool things. And sometimes I'm on the podcast too. Sometimes he has his friend Marcus on. Sometimes he stays up really late and he's tired the next day. But it's worth it. But I love this podcast. And I love his podcast. So I really want you to listen to hyphenation. So daddy doesn't get sad. He really doesn't get sad though because he has me. Alright, please listen to hyphenation. Thanks y'all. I love the podcast. So please, please, please try to join. But if you know. Perfect. Thank you. Can we hear it now? Clerval then put the following letter into my hands. It was from my own Elizabeth. My dearest cousin, you have been ill, very ill, and even the constant letters of dear, kind Henry are not sufficient to reassure me on your account. You are forbidden to write, to hold a pen, yet one word from you, dear Victor, is necessary to calm our apprehensions. For a long time, I have thought that Each post would bring this line, and my persuasions have restrained my uncle from undertaking a journey to Ingolstadt. I've prevented his encountering the inconveniences and perhaps dangers of so long a journey, yet how often have I regretted not being able to perform it myself. i figure figured to myself that the task of attending on your sickbed has devolved on some mercenary old nurse who could never guess your wishes nor minister to them with the care and affection of your poor cousin. Yet that is over now. Clerval writes that indeed you are getting better. I eagerly hope that you will confirm this intelligence soon in your own handwriting. Get well and return to us you will find a happy, cheerful home and friends who love you dearly. Your father's health is vigorous, and he asks but to see you, but to be assured that you are well, and not a care will ever cloud his benevolent countenance. How pleased you'd be to remark the improvement of our earnest. He is now sixteen and full of activity and spirit. He is desirous and a true Swiss and to enter into foreign service but we cannot part with him at least until his elder brother returned to us my uncle is not pleased with the idea of a military career in a distant country but Ernest had your powers of application he looks upon study as an odious fetter his time is spent in the open air climbing the hills or rowing on the lake i fear that he'll become an idler unless we yield the point and permit him to enter on the profession which he has selected. Little alteration, except the growth of our own dear children, has taken place since you left. The Blue Lake and snow-clad mountains, they never change, and I think our placid home on our contented hearts are regulated by the same immutable laws. My trifling occupations take up my time and amuse me, and I am rewarded for any excursions by seeing none but happy, kind faces around me. Since you left us, but one change has taken place in our little household. Do you remember on what occasions Justine Moritz entered our family? Probably you do not. I will relate her history, therefore, in a few words. Madame Moritz... Her mother was a widow with four children, of whom Justine was the third. This girl had always been a favorite of her father, but through a strange perversity, her mother could not endure her, and after the death of Emeritz, treated her very ill. My aunt observed this, and when Justine was 12 years of age, prevailed on her mother to allow her to live at our house. The republican institutions of our country have produced simpler and happier manners than those which prevail in the great monarchies that surround it. Hence, there is little dis- distinction between the several classes of its inhabitants and the lower orders, being neither so poor nor so despised. Their manners are more refined and moral. As servant in Geneva does not mean the same thing as a servant in France or England. Justine, thus received in our family, learned the duties of a servant, a condition which, in our fortunate country, does not include the idea of ignorance and a sacrifice of the dignity of a human being. Justine, you may remember, was a great favorite of yours, and I recollect you once remarked that, you were in ill humor one glance from justine could dissipate it for some reason that Aristotle gifts concerning the beauty of angelica she looked so frank-hearted and happy my aunt conceived a great attachment for her by which she was induced to give her an education superior to that which she had first intended this benefit was fully repaid Justine was the most grateful little creature in the world. I do not mean that she made any professions. I never heard one pass her lips, but you could see by her eyes that she almost adored her protectress. Although her disposition was gay and, in many respects, inconsiderate, yet she paid the greatest attention to every gesture of my aunt. She thought her the model of all excellence, and endeavored to imitate her phraseology and manners, so that even now, she often reminds me of her. When my dearest aunt died, everyone was too much occupied in their own grief to notice poor Justine, who had attended with her illness with the most anxious affection. Poor Justine was very ill, but other trials were reserved for her. One by one, her brothers and sister died, and her mother, with the exception of her neglected daughter, was left childless. The conscience of the woman was troubled. She began to think that the deaths of her favorites were a judgment from heaven to chastise her partiality. She was a Roman Catholic, and I believe her confessor confirmed the idea which she had conceived. Accordingly, a few months after your departure for Ingolstadt, Justine was called home by her repentant mother. Poor girl. Ah, oh, She wept when she was acquitted of our house. She was much altered since the death of my aunt. Grief had given softness and a winning mildness to her manners, which had before been remarkable for vivacity." nor was her residence at her mother's house of her nature to restore her gaiety. The poor woman was very vacillating in her repentance. She sometimes begged Justine to forgive her unkindness, but much oftener accused her of having caused the deaths of her brothers and sister. Perpetual fretting at length threw Madame Moritz into a decline, which at first increased her irritability, but... She is now at peace forever. She died on the first approach of cold weather at the beginning of this last winter. Justine has returned to us and I assure you, I love her tenderly. She is very clever and gentle and extremely pretty. As I mentioned before, her mien and expressions continually remind me of my dear aunt. I must say also a few words to you, my dear cousin. Of little darling William. I wish you could see him. He is very tall of his age, with sweet, laughing blue eyes, dark eyelashes, and curling hair. When he smiles, his two little dimples appear on each cheek, which are rosy with health. He has already had one or two little wives, but Louisa Baron is his favorite, a pretty little girl of five years of age. Now, dear Victor, I dare say you wish to be indulged in a little gossip conserving the good people of Geneva. The pretty Miss Mansfield has already received the congratulatory visits of her approaching marriage with a young Englishman, John Melbourne, Esquire. Her ugly sister, Minot married Mr. Duvillard in The Rich Banker last autumn. Your favorite schoolfellow? Louis Meignard has suffered misfortunes since the departure of Clerval from Geneva but he has already recovered his spirits and is reported to be on the point of marrying a very lively pretty Frenchwoman, Madame Trevnir. She's a widow and much older than Menoir, but she's very much admired and a favorite with everybody. I have written myself into better spirits, dear cousin, but my anxiety returns upon me as I conclude. Write, dearest Victor, one line, one word will be a blessing to us. Ten thousand thanks to Henry for his kindness, his affection, and his many letters. We are sincerely grateful. Adieu, my cousin. Take care of yourself. And I entreat you write, Elizabeth. Levanza, Geneva, March 18th, 17. Dear Elizabeth, I exclaimed when I read her letter, I will write you instantly and relieve them from the anxiety that you must feel. I wrote, and this exertion greatly fatigued me, but my convalescence had commenced and proceeded regularly. In another fortnight, I was able to leave my chamber. One of my first duties on my recovery was to introduce Clerval to the several professors of my university. In doing this, I underwent a kind of rough usage, ill befitting the wounds that my mind had sustained. Ever since the fatal night, the end of my labors and the beginning of my misfortunes, I had conceived a violent antipathy, even to the nature of natural philosophy. When I was otherwise quiet, When I was otherwise quite restored to health, the sight of a chemical instrument would renew all the agony of my nervous symptoms. Henry saw this and had removed all my apparatus from my symptoms. Henry saw this and had removed all my apparatus from my view. He'd also changed my apartment, for he perceived that I had acquired a dislike for the room, which had previously been my laboratory. But these cares of Clerval were made of no avail when I visited the professors. M. Waldman inflicted torture when he praised with kindness and warmth the astonishing progress I made in the sciences. He soon perceived that I disliked the subject, but not guessing the real cause, he attributed my feelings to modesty and... Changed the subject from my improvement to the science itself with a desire, as I evidently saw, of drawing me out, what could I do? He meant to please and tormented me. I felt as if he'd placed carefully, one by one, in my view, those instruments which were to be afterwards used in putting me into a slow and cruel death. I writhed under his words, yet dared not exhibit the pain I felt. Clerval, whose eyes and feelings were always so quick in discerning the sensations of others, declined the subject, alleging in excuse his total ignorance, and the conversation took a more general turn. I thanked my friend for my heart, but I did not speak. I saw plainly that he was surprised, but... He never attempted to draw my secret from me, and although I loved him with a mixture of affection and reverence, that knew no bounds, yet I could never persuade myself to confide him that event which so often present to my recollection, but which I feared the detail to another would only impress more deeply. Am creep. B. was equally docile, and in my condition that time of almost insupportable sensitiveness, his harsh, blunt encomiums gave me even more pain than the benevolent aberration of M. Waldman. Down the fellow, cried he. Why, M. Clerval, I assure you he has outstripped us all. I, stare if you please, but... It is nevertheless true. A youngster who, but a few years ago, believed in Cornelius Agrippa, as firmly as in the Gospel, has now set himself as the head of the university, and he is not soon pulled down. We shall all be of countenance. Aye, I, I continued he, observing my face expressive of suffering. M. Frankenstein is modest, an excellent quality in a young man. Young men should be diffident of themselves, you know, M. Clerval. I was myself when I was young, but that wears out after a very short time. M. Crampy now commenced a eulogy of himself, which happily turned the conversation from a subject that was so annoying to me. Tolaru had never sympathized in my tastes for natural science, and his literary pursuits differed wholly from those which had occupied me. He came to the university with the design of making himself complete master of oriental languages, as thus he should open a field for the plan of life he had marked out for himself. Resolved to pursue no inglorious career, he turned his eye towards the East as affording scope for his spirit of enterprise. The Persian, Arabic, and Sanskrit languages engaged his attention, and I was easily induced to enter on the same studies. Idleness had never been so irksome to me, and now that I wished to fly from reflection and hated my former studies, I felt great relief in being a fellow pupil with my friend and found not only instruction but consolation in the words of the orientalists. I did not like him attempt a critical knowledge of their dialects, for I did not contemplate making any other use of them than temporary amusement. I read merely to understand their meaning and They well overpaid my labors, their melancholy is soothing and their joy elevating to a degree I never experienced in studying the authors of any country. When you read their writings, life appears to consist in a warm sun and a garden of roses and smiles and frowns of a fair enemy and the fire that consumes your own heart. How different from the manly and heroical poetry of Greece and Rome! summer passed away in these occupations and my return to geneva was fixed for the latter end of autumn but being delayed by several accidents winter and snow arrived and the roads were deemed impassable and my journey was retarded until the ensuing spring i felt this delay very bitterly Ugh. for i longed to see my native town and my beloved friends My return had only been delayed so long for an unwillingness to leave Clerval in a strange place before he had become acquainted with any of its inhabitants. The winter, however, was spent cheerfully, and although the spring was uncommonly late, when it came its beauty compensated for its deleteriousness. The month of May had already commenced, and I expected a letter daily, which was fixed date of my departure when Henry proposed a pedestrian tour in the environs of Ingolstadt that I might bid a personal farewell to the country I had so long inhabited. I acceded with pleasure to this proportion. I was fond of exercise and Clerval had always been my favorite companion in the rambles of this nature that I had taken among the scenes of my native country. We passed a fortnight in the preamblessness, preambulations, sorry, preambulations, my health and spirits had long been restored, and they gained additional strength from the salubrious air that I breathed, the nature of incidents of our progress, and the conversation of my friend. Study had before secluded me from the intercourse of my fellow creatures and I rendered me unsocial but Clerval called forth the better feelings of my heart he again taught me to love the aspect of nature and cheerful faces of children excellent friend how sincerely did you love me and endeavor to elevate my mind until it was on a level with your own a selfish pursuit had "'crammed and narrowed me until your gentleness and affection warmed and opened my senses. "'I became the same happy creature who, a few years ago, loved and beloved by all, had no sorrow or care. "'When happy, inanimate nature had the power of bestowing on me the most delightful sensations, "'a serene sky a verdant fields filled me with ecstasy.' The present season was indeed divine, the flowers in spring bloomed in the hedges while those of summer were already in bud. I was undisturbed by thoughts which, during the preceding year, had pressed upon me, notwithstanding my endeavors to throw them off with an invincible burden. Henry rejoiced in my gaiety and Sincerely sympathized to my feelings, he exerted himself to amuse me while he expressed the sensations that filled his soul. The resources of his mind on this occasion were truly astonishing. His conversation was full of imagination and very often in imitation of the Persian-Arabic writers, he invented tales of wonderful fancy and passion. At other times, he repeated my favorite poems or drew me out into arguments which he supported with great ingenuity. We returned to our college on a Sunday afternoon. The peasants were dancing and everyone we met appeared gay and happy. My own spirits were high and I bounded along with feelings of unbridled joy and hilarity. <laughs> In this episode we saw a full spiritual and mental recovery of Victor who is once again right into Elizabeth Um, he also saw him studying some new things with his buddy Clerval, who was going to university with him and they really cheered each other up and made the university a welcoming environment for both of them and their friendship really helped pull each of them along so it's nice that we see that in the story and who knows what next week will bring for all of us in the book and in life as I mentioned, maybe I didn't I cannot remember my introduction but there will be extra episodes, I will be trying to turn these out more quickly for anyone that's bored or just needs comfort or anything and you know what, it's doing a lot for me too and that's why I want to give it to you guys it's helping me because I too am in the house and I'm even going to be working from home at my day job so there's a lot of things going on and you know what as I mentioned before this is this is what it's all about it's about support and we cannot get through this alone so please don't be a stranger feel free to message me feel free to comment you can go on anchor and leave me voice messages if you want I'm on all the social medias at Set and you can go to a afrightfulfret.net there's plenty of links on there too for more information and i genuinely hope that you enjoy this episode and cannot wait to deliver another and there should be some guest readers coming soon i hope that you all have a wonderful rest of your day night or whatever moment in space and time you happen to be enduring i'll be the same